watches, reviews, and responds to every movie, show, and one-shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Al Rodriguez. And I'm Tony Camarena. And today we are talking about Ant-Man, the movie, which originally premiered in some date where my notes are on July 17th of 2015. <laughs> <laughs> we are covering uh, the first third of the movie, roughly, from the beginning of the movie till when Scott gets arrested for returning the Ant-Man suit. But uh, before we begin, I just want to say uh, thank you all for listening to our 100th anniversary uh, special, or 100th anniversary, that'd be way crazy, <laughs> 100th episode special, and Al and I had so much fun, we're just going to talk about it in vague, non-specific terms, as if we never, we haven't recorded it yet. But that was so much fun, right Al? Oh yeah, I am excited, can't wait for for our 200th episode anniversary, that'll be fun times. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, our 200th anniversary, come in in 2,121, 19, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did did you forget for a second how to how to speak the the years? Because I was doing the same thing in my head. That that's future time. <laughs> that's science fiction. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, we'll still be doing it then. I'm sure Marvel just keeps on uh, chugging along. Yep. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we begin Ant Man, uh, let's talk about uh, our thoughts and feelings like going into the movie. What did we think about Ant Man the character before? You saw Ant-Man, Al. Uh, so before I saw the movie, I knew very, very little because I never really read any of the comics. I know in the comics, the the actual Ant-Man person has, had changed a couple times. And then there's Giant Man, who I know nothing about. And I don't know if it's the same or a different person. So really, I just kind of went into that with with open, open mindset on that. All I knew was a little bit about Hank Pym and his story and then uh knew a little bit from the cartoons but even there you know, not too much so i th- it, thankfully it was kind of one of those like hey a lot of really new stuff so that was that was actually kind of fun yeah i i was in the exact same way i i knew hank pym was an asshole mm-hmm. and i knew that he created ultron but they changed it because so tony created ultron and that he can turn tiny and big occasionally and that's all I knew about Ant-Man. I don't think I'd ever... I've never read any of his comics, still haven't read any of his comics. Or we're coming in... I'm coming into this woefully unprepared to talk about Ant-Man's comic history. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't rewind any comics. Just the no. just the movies and shows. No. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine this podcast if we rewound every Marvel comic from the beginning? Oh. We... We would be going into the next century. <laughs> yes. Yes, we would. <laughs> let's, let's decide never to do that. <laughs> All right. It works for me. Blood packed it right. is. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm sending you a vial of my blood. It's on its way. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Is that legal in the U.S.? Maybe we shouldn't be announcing yeah. it. I honestly don't know. So if the NSA is listening, at least someone is. So <laughs> let's continue <laughs> all right (laughs) so um here's my fake imdb summary for the first third of the movie because imdb doesn't do just thirds of movies strangely enough uh scott lang gets released from prison with the goal of doing right by his daughter after struggling to find employment he returns to a life of crime and steals a suit with powers he wasn't prepared for dun 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 dun. yeah not really (laughs) yeah yeah Alright, so, um, well, here's another IMDb summary that I made up. (laughs) 
<laughs> gotta, all right. In 1989, Hank Pym leaves S.H.I.E.L.D. on poor terms. In the present day, he returns to his old company to see his biggest fears nearly realized. I mean, they're not quite realized, but they're almost there. So, mm-hmm. nervous. Yeah. All right. Um, so, we uh, start off in uh, 1989 with our favorite character, Peggy Carter. Yay! Woo-hoo! Yeah. <laughs> Along with, um, yeah, a makeup Peggy Carter, a non-makeup Howard Stark, a CGI Hank Pym, <laughs> and a CGI that other guy, Martin, no, Mitchell Carson. His real name is Martin Donovan. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, I I was just going to mention exactly what you just said. I did not realize until rewatching it this time how literally only that one person was like their actual age of a person (laughs) in filming that. Yeah. I mean, it's... (laughs) It strangely works all together because you know it's really good makeup. They've they've mm-hmm. gotten makeup down in the past like hundred years of filmmaking mm-hmm. since we started this podcast. And then uh, um, the thing is, this is the first. Well, maybe not the first time. The first time they did CG de aging really well, at least that I've noticed. Because I remember when they did it in X-Men 3, and it looked very bad for Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Yeah, but I mean, so was every other scene in that movie, to be fair. (laughs) I mean, the the special effects weren't bad. It looked okay. (laughs) Tony, (laughs) That's all I can say about that movie. (laughs) What year did that movie come out? 2006? Something like that? Yeah. All right, yeah. I haven't seen that movie in 13 years, so I don't really remember much. <laughs> but um, um yeah, um what was it? The lead up to Logan. Mm-hmm. I rewatched all of those movies, and that's a freaking trip watching cuz <laughs> a lot of those aren't good. <laughs> Actually, no, two of them are really bad. Now three of them because Apocalypse came out, but I saw only saw it in theaters. Ah, okay. At the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk about this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a better one. One we have much more yeah. fond memories of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're in the half-completed uh, Tresgillion from uh that was destroyed. It looks much like this in the middle of, or towards the end of Winter Soldier. Um, why are they working in a half-completed building? Isn't that unsafe? And shouldn't they have other shield bases they could just hang out in? Uh, it depends on how much work they like have to do and where it is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, the high school I went to wasn't completed like with construction when we actually started because I went the year the school opened. So we we went like almost the full school year before they finished the the construction. Well, yeah, but were you in say the bottom floor with like floors five, six, and seven still incomplete? No, no, it was, it was all just one yeah. floor. So yeah, that's that's probably a big part of it. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I know nothing of construction. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we always realize what we know nothing about. <laughs> we don't know a lot. <laughs> you gotta gotta admit where where your limits are. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got our niches. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, this this also 
I mean, we talked about this way back in an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode in Melinda about they were saying they were doing construction on Triskelion in like, was it 2011 or something like that? 2010, mm-hmm. 2011. So 20 years later, they're still working on this. So for all we know, they could have been building this thing since S.H.I.E.L.D. began in the like 40s. Did they say that they were building it or they were like, what if they were doing renovations or something? Yeah, they were they were working on it. We decided that they were making uh, stuff for Operation Insight. Oh, OK. Like oh. adding on. Oh, OK. Got it. That, that makes a lot of sense because that seems very, very specific, like the, the kind of stuff for Operation Insight to be able to start launching helicarriers from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. Um. I'm glad you remember that because I sure didn't. <laughs> well, I was—I remembered it was a the an Age of the Shield episode, and I put it together. That was like the only main flashback episode. Thing. So it must have been Melinda. <laughs> I'm not going to go, go back and check. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Actually, you're, yeah, that sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So we get introduced to uh, CGI Michael Douglas, aka Hank Pym. Um. So uh, he's a character, Hank Pym first appeared in tales to astonish which comes up later number 27 in 1962 but he doesn't show up as ant-man until seven issues later in uh issue 35 so since uh, we already established we haven't read any of his comics i don't know what he was doing for those seven issues just chilling hanging out yeah probably you know single dude at home just sitting on the sofa watching tv at the time mm-hmm uh, <laughs> lots of lots of trash everywhere there are mm-hmm. ants infesting his home i figured he should probably do something about this so he decided to control them yeah yeah like you do mm-hmm. getting into wacky misadventures trying to trying to get that to work yeah yeah and then we also get um the character mitchell carson who i guarantee later when we see him i will not remember his name because he is that's like the, one of the blandest names <laughs> um He's uh he's a character who was an evil shield agent, a rogue shield agent from uh, Marvel Team Up Volume 3 number 27 back in 2006, which you know fits with this character. He's a shield guy who spoiler alert if you haven't watched the end of this movie is works for uh Hydra. <gasps> still around. Yeah. <laughs> and the actor is uh Martin Donovan, who only superhero credit is I guess he was in a bunch of episodes of Legend of Tomorrow, but I'm not caught up on that show, so. I, oh, so so yeah. you haven't even seen them yet. Nope. <laughs> no. All right. Yeah. Very forgettable. But yeah, but um, in this scene, I guess um, Hank's pissed off that they're trying to steal his shrinking tech, so. He's like, screw you, Shield. I'm leaving. And Mitchell makes is that his name? Yeah, Mitchell Carson. <laughs> already, already. It's Mitchell Carson and Martin <laughs> Martin Donovan. <laughs> so it's like it could be either one. <laughs> um, the, the newest character to the to the franchise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the one who's going to show up in like three scenes and then never again. <laughs> um. Yeah, he makes fun of uh. He makes fun of the fact that his wife's dead. So, you know this guy's an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's like opening salvo right there. Like, Jesus Christ, man. 
<laughs> like I so, like so you're good. Oh, I was just gonna say it's it's like the writers are are instantly wanting us to hate him. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's like I was gonna say, so writers, you're saying this is a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I have to say now I'm sure Hank has his reasons for it, but Stark has a really good reason, right? Like the Pym particle, even at the time, would do so much amazingly good things for the world. Like Yeah. Like I, You could have ended pollution right there to shrink everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now a a truck carrying something can carry like tons and tons of food and supplies or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so and, hmm? Pim is the villain of this movie, I have decided now. Pretty much, yeah. I mean he is holding back the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, we don't know much about the Pim particle, how limited it is or how um I guess how uh uh, hard it is to get your hands on it how unstable it is right is it like like can it explode and make of your left hand shrink a lot and your right hand grow to be giant or something i don't know like like we, we don't really get any kind of science behind it all we get is no its only use is for uh for weapon type of stuff or for military use basically and, or is and that superhero just... shenanigans yeah and shenanigans always for shenanigans Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's got to be a reason. It's probably outlined in the comics. It's been a few decades, so I'm, I'm sure at yeah. some point someone went over it. But uh, that's at a minimum, that's definitely something they they kind of gloss over at least in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, Hank's the last thing he says is, "As long as he's alive, no one will ever get this formula." So I'm assuming in Ant Man three, he'll be dead. Probably. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I like all the mentor characters die in the third movie, right? Oh, well, it's just Odin. <laughs> Odin dies in the third movie, right? <laughs> He's an old guy. <laughs> Let's see, I'm trying to think of other uh, other characters. Other third movies, too. We've only had, we've only had like, what, two, three? three? Three, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't, eh, I mean, no one really died. No one's, I guess, was really a mentor to, to Stark in Iron Man. I mean, yeah, like, um... Jensen died in the beginning, and then Erskine died in the beginning of Captain America 1. Um, so if they don't die in the first one, they die in the third? Yes. Okay, alright. I Well, I mean, <laughs> that's the pattern. It's happened once, must happen every time. Yeah, it's been ten years. I mean, they've established the pattern by now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Something uh, going a little okay, a lot off track. Okay. Um, we know we can assume that Ant Man three will happen sometime in the future, right? Who are they going to add? Because it's Ant Man, then Ant Man and the Wasp. Now I'm thinking it's going to be Ant Man and the Wasp and someone else. Who do you think is going to be the third person? Um. Oh, I forget the actor, or I forget the character's name. Uh, the actor is Michael Pena. Oh, Luis? Yeah, Luis. Ant-Man and the Wasp and Luis. Yes. <laughs> I would not put it past them. Nope. <laughs> Who would Luis be? He's just Luis? Yeah, why not? Uh, fair. <laughs> I mean, 
He just goes around introducing himself. Hi, I'm Luis. <laughs> and then you hear the bongos, and then the whole movie's in that, I don't know, Luis vision, where he's narrating everybody's voice. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I mean, I have no idea really who would be at it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's move on to modern day. Uh, um, actually, case... bef- before oh. you do that, I, I there was one last thing I, I wanted to mention about this yeah. scene that I didn't realize until watching it. Um, so as Hank, um, you know, attacks bad guy whose name we'll never remember. Mitchell Carson. Yeah, that guy. Um, and then storms off saying, you know, he quits S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that stuff. Um, there, uh, what's the name? Mitchell again? Is that Mitchell, yeah, Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, so Mitchell says something about like, oh, should we, you know, do something? Security risk, all that stuff. Oh, and then yeah. Stark says, uh, no, he's no security risk unless we make him one. To which I just realized watching this that the rest of this movie is what happens when you make him an enemy. I guess. Yeah. 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 They went a good fifty years. No, twenty years. I was thinking of the sixties for some reason. <laughs> Maybe because because they came out whatever they went a good 20 30 years 25 years a certain amount of time well 89 to what was it 27 2015 yeah so it's it's 26 years okay yeah yeah they went a certain amount of time just leaving him alone and we never heard about any of this stuff happening so i guess they were right yeah that's true i mean stark is a pretty pretty bright dude yeah yeah. So um, now we can remer- return to modern day, and in case you didn't notice, we're just following Hank Pym's story for this first part, which I didn't I, mention. That's good. I had not noticed. Okay. <laughs> well, we return to Pym Tech, and um, this guy, uh, Hank, is so cocky that he doesn't even bring his ID because he's assuming that you'll just recognize him from that painting from 26 years ago. <laughs> I mean, he's gotten a few haircuts in that time. Yeah, and and he has his goatee, which mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, <laughs> I need to see some ID, sir. <laughs> That's true. I mean, for a guy who you know owns a business, sure, but never apparently never goes. Like, it's surprising. It's like news when he shows up. Um, that could be anyone, like someone who just looks like him. That happens. Yeah, or. It could be someone with a face mask copier thing. Oh, or that. that. Mask. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a scroll, Or a life model decoy. Or you live in the Marvel Universe. Look, check ID. <laughs> check DNA. <laughs> yeah, security is really lax in this company. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. For selling, for like revealing top secret military technology to a huge crowd of people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Stark Tech is is or Stark Industries is like one of their uh one of their main competitors, I guess. Yeah. Or I guess it would be Hammer now cuz Stark's kind of out of that business. Yeah, what so I was wondering this when I was watching this movie. What what does Stark Industries do now? Like they don't really say um, after the first movie, right? Or the second? I I mean, I assume like clean technology because they're investing in the arc reactor stuff. That's true. Uh, Tony's Tony says he's the only name in clean technology in the Avengers. That's true. It's been a few years. Other companies have probably jumped in to join that cash cow. But then again, yeah. if they can't really reproduce his arc reactor tech that he perfected in a cave. 
<laughs> with a box of scraps. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm glad he remembered the rest of that line. I couldn't. <laughs> that was our favorite thing when we first started this podcast. Ah, uh, good times. Which, which really bugs me about the Endgame trailer, because he can't figure out how to get off a spaceship. He's got a spaceship. He should be able to figure something out. <laughs> I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. He'll He'll go rummaging around, he'll find a box of scraps, and then he'll use that stuff. Yeah, like, <laughs> come on, come on, Tony. <laughs> Alien technology. <laughs> I really hope. I mean, yeah, everyone's saying he's going to get rescued by Captain Marvel or Pepper. All great and good. Although the pe- the Captain Marvel stuff doesn't make sense because he still can't breathe in space. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I want him to have a Iron Man building a suit scene in space and then fly back to Earth. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I had not he- heard any of that because I very, very much trying to avoid all that. But yeah, that that would kind of okay. suck. Like, I mean, given his no, it's it's fine. Uh, I mean, given his character of just building stuff to survive, given that happened in two of his three movies, like I, I feel yeah. like yeah, that would just kind of be a disservice to the character. But eh, oh well. Anyway, Ant Man, Hank Pym, and the horrible, horrible security of this company. Yeah. Um, so we see him, you know, he goes to the metal detector, um, with his, uh, tank keychain. Mm-hmm. That's foreshadowing. We talked about that a few episodes ago. That's foreshadowing. Now uh, we know that he's got a little tiny tank. Okay. All right. That will could become important later. And now I'm, now uh, you're helping to reinforce foreshadowing. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> it's called scaffolding. It's a, it's a teacher thing. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. uh, so... Later, I'll ask you where you see foreshadowing. Uh-oh. And you got to see if it works. Okay. <laughs> but not not this episode. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, we meet uh, Hope uh, Van Dyne, Pim's daughter. Um, Hope Pim, or played by Evangeline Lilly from Lost and The Hobbit fame. And I'm assuming other things, but those are the two things I know her from. Um. Hope, uh, uh, in the comics, is Hope Pym, the daughter of Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, who, she was originally a villain, part of, get this, and I didn't know this, she was part of a supervillain team called the Revengers. <laughs> I did not know the Revengers were real. <laughs> and I have an all caps on my notes. The Revengers! <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah. I was really excited. <laughs> I didn't do any research in who was into in the Revengers. Ah, that was literally um, my next question. I could I could look it up. Nah, some other uh, time. Well, I'm sure I'm okay. sure we'll bring it up again. <laughs> I'm I'm sure we'll find other superheroes or two super villains who were at one point in the Revengers, and I could just be excited all over again. Oh, that sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, she first uh, premiered in um, the comic called A Next Number Seven in 1999. Which was part of the whole MC two. Have you heard about that? No. Back in oh okay, you know the Ultimate Universe. Uh huh. Where they kind of rebooted them. Yeah. Apparently in the nineties they also rebooted everything, and this MC two, which is like Marvel Chapter Two or something like that, where it's like an alternate children of all the supervillains or superheroes. So that's why Hope is in there. Oh okay, all right. I could see that yeah. the potential in that, but. Given that I have never heard of this, um, I, I guess I, it went terribly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, 
Yeah, we uh, we also get Darren Cross, who uh, played Yellow Jacket in the comics. Um, played Yellow Jacket in the comics? That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> He's a character. He just was Yellow Jacket in the comics. Uh, he was in Marvel premiere number 47 back in 1979. You know, I didn't bother to write the name of the actor, but I told, I wrote down oh. what he was in. Oh no, I wrote it down. Uh, Jeff Bezos. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went halfway Jeff through Bezos this movie was... not picking up his name. I just kept writing down Jeff Bezos in my notes. <laughs> well, apparently Jeff Bezos was in is famous for being in House of Cards, which I've seen the first season of, but I don't love. And then he was also in. Uh, you ever see Push with Chris Evans? Oh, yeah. I really like that movie. Yeah, one of his, like, he has, like, four or five superhero roles. If you count him being a douchebag skateboarder in um, Scott Pilgrim, which I do. It's, <laughs> <laughs> like, four or five superhero roles. Huh. Yeah, I always forget that. Yeah, I, I never saw Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, but I've seen oh, my one of the other ones. That's yeah, no, it's on my list. It's it, I'll, I'll see it eventually. Yeah. Um... So yeah, we get like quick things of uh Pim like reuniting with like I said old acquaintances because it's like I didn't want to say enemies and former proteges and children. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. We find out that um Hank and Hope, not best father daughter team. Um and then uh Darren is so happy he's there right before he backstabs him. And ch- takes over his company, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Mitchell Carson, who I already forgot who he was. And we'll look at the name, like, who the hell is Mitchell Carson? It's that guy <laughs> from the first scene! <laughs> we were just talking about him five minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Who, uh, they're best friends now, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Everything before was just water under the bridge. Mm-hmm. True. Um, so we go in with again, this is going to be top secret military technology, I'm assuming, right? Mm-hmm. You want the enemy to be surprised. So you've got like hundreds of people in this demonstration of what this does. I don't think that's the most secure. <laughs> well, I thought the majority of those people like a lot of those people in the background were were in like lab coats so i assume they were supposed to be like employees working on this but then you've got the people who are gonna buy it right i didn't actually keep in mind how many people were watching maybe i feel like i feel like there were a lot of people watching i i think if you're putting something on display yeah there were they would have a few people in lab coats but they don't need a large amount i could be wrong i've never sold something in the military that you know of i'll keep that in mind okay well it's um, also like sorry no no now now that i'm thinking about it some more i'm realizing it's not just the military it's other companies that work with the military right because there's that guy he kills later who was very much against this kind of technology Mm -hmm. and i yeah i don't know if he says who he worked for but it kind of made it sound like he would be like the type of company who would take this thing and then build stuff using that technology Okay. Um, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it increases the pool that you can sell to. Yeah. 
True. Um, so we start off with a demonstration. Well, actually, we start off with uh, footage from S.H.I.E.L.D., which apparently they must have gotten after S.H.I.E.L.D. fell in Winter Soldier. And I like almost the cheesiness of, like, seeing Ant-Man but having no context that there's a person there. It's just, like, the guy's flipping and flying and stuff exploding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... It really bugs me that they zoom into this grainy footage and you see this little this little figure of Ant-Man. Like that's that's not how that works. <laughs> no, they just keep saying enhance and then someone types out a keyboard in it and it zooms in. Enhance. Enhance, enhance and like clarify clarify and then enhance. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Gotta give it the CSI treatment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then um we uh, we get introduced to this uh the super soldier program that he's doing because everything's a super soldier program in the MCU, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and we get this like propaganda video that feels very, I mean, very disturbing to me. That I mean, I know people in the military are still selling stuff like this, but it feels very out of date, very Cold War type stuff. This raw raw. Defending our interests at large and at home, I find it very strange. Yeah, you know when they're they're marketing it specifically to just be a military use because I guess they can't think of any other good uses for this type of technology. They mm-hmm. they they really have to, uh, I guess, drum it up is perfect for that because it's um. I, I I don't know. You know, I, I was thinking about it just now, and I mean, this thing that they're selling is like. A handful of different things it's a suit that shrinks you mm-hmm. and i guess it has other mm-hmm. things too it has weapons like an iron man suit Lasers. it can let you fly too apparently because that's not something you know the original ant-man suit like it's it's a handful of different things built into it so they're they're really pushing it towards that and i don't know you you throw that at at uh people who like doing marketing and you know, they gotta do something but yeah i i was thinking the same thing so it feels a little cheesy and then yeah, especially when they get to the part where, like, and then you can also assassinate people for freedom. Like that just sounded a little, a little odd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frank uh, doesn't trust it. He's worried about bad guys getting a hold of it, and he just delivers it as a, it's just a shoot, a suit. But like we just said, it's a suit that shrinks. Come on, <laughs> that's kind of cool. <laughs> and it has lasers. And lasers. it flies. Like they don't really talk yeah. about those things either. Well, <laughs> yeah, the... but lasers and flying is you find that in a Tony Stark suit. Uh, okay, so that's, that's not that important. <laughs> but it shrinks. <laughs> so Does you it... know, you leave you leave your battlefield and instead of going like a mile, it feels like you go a hundred miles. So, <laughs> so that's gotta make it better. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You need even more fuel for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you fuel up after it shrinks. You just put a drop of fuel in there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. After all this stuff, we get um, we find out that Hank and Hope are working together. So before we and... go there, sorry, uh, I thought you were done with go, that sentence. No, go ahead. Um, I, I just want to say one last thing about this scene when when we're there. Um, there was a line that um, oh, I forgot the guy's name. Jeff Bezos was saying about the pin particle. Um, mm-hmm. He says that uh, it it changes the distance between atoms 
and also increases des- density and strength, which yes. I forget about every time because later in the movie, Hope describes to Scott uh, what it's like when you shrink, and she says, you know, like, oh, it's it. Um, you have your entire weight behind a punch, but you're like this. It's like a bullet, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not as good of a description, but it's like a better. It's a really good description that she uses in the moment to just like kind of give him a visual. But this like slightly more scientific one actually makes a bit more sense, at least to me. Like when I'm thinking about it from the the potential real life type of add some sciency words to it. I mean, it does and it doesn't, because if it really worked that way. Um, when um Scott shrinks to the size of Ant Man, mm-hmm. he would still weigh two hundred pounds because he has the same density as a two hundred pound man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which means he probably I don't know he might be able to move, but he definitely wouldn't be able to ride an ant or <laughs> jump on guns or jump on people or <laughs> not destroy doors as he tries to jump through keyholes. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to call some of that stuff out later, but yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. They're, they're definitely it wor- inconsistent. It works when it wants to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we find out that um, Darren Cross, I have to stop myself from saying Darren Chris, who's an actor. <laughs> uh, Darren Cross uh, can't shrink living things, which, you know, seems like a big deal when you're selling shrinking humans. Uh-huh. But, you know, I mean, he's not going to let little details like that get him down. <laughs> <laughs> um, So that's about it for the Hank Pym section of this section of the movie. Uh, do we want to talk anything else about Hank before we move on? Uh, You know, I have one last thing that I noticed a little bit later in the movie. I, I don't know where, exactly at which part, but it's it's Pym related. Um. So the the company itself is was it Pym Industries? Is that the name of the company that he? Has? I thought it was Pym Tech. Pym Tech. But... I okay. One of the two. Either way, his his name yeah, is yeah, it. Yeah. It's Pym. Um, when they were doing the the demo for this this new suit, um, the yellow jacket suit, like all of the the slides or like all the the branding information, all said Cross Technologies. Oh yeah. So I give each other a little look because when Pim walks in the room, you see the model of new cross technologies. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, like the, they exchange a look just like cross going like, well, this is what happens when you leave. But yeah. Yeah. It's not really what happens in companies like, hey, here's a company that's been around for a few decades. Um, let's just, you know, take this really good branding and throw that into the trash and start a new company. Um, that only happens when companies are doing really bad. So maybe Pimtech or whatever the company was had a mm-hmm. bad name somehow. Um, maybe it, well, they weren't doing anything. I don't. I don't understand. But uh, I well, I mean, this is a reveal of shrinking technology to the wider world, right? Uh huh. What does Pimtech do other than shrink and grow? <laughs> I mean, technically, Pimtech doesn't do either of those. <laughs> I mean, true. Well, it does in the next movie because they shrink the whole building. Oh, that's so. true. <laughs> well, that's a good point. But we have like, no idea what uh, they what they do as a company. Yeah. So maybe they are crashing and burning, and this is like a last ditch effort to keep them going. Okay. Yeah, that fits. I'll take it. Sounds good to me. Yeah. 
So I can yeah, I can't imagine Darren being a as brilliant a scientist as Hank Pym is. He just seems like a, a crazy person, which we'll <laughs> talk about right now. <laughs> uh, we've got before we jump into Scott, we've got this little section of um of Darren. So, in an effort to claim what he believes has been denied him, Darren Cross is desperate to get the shrinking technology working. So, uh, he turns Frank into jelly. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he just straight murders a guy who, I, my understanding from what they explain later is the shrinking tech will drive you crazy if you do it without the special helmet. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't been shrunk yet, so he was just a crazy person anyway, apparently. Yeah, so the only thing I can think of is that he was already experimenting with this stuff, and maybe there's some sort of, like, radiation effect, or, like, just being near it a lot without a suit also helps you. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. But other than that, I mean, Hank also does say that he was already not too... Uh, all together to begin with, right? Yeah. I don't remember his exact words. Yeah, he. they do mention that he kind of lost it when Hank wasn't nice to him. I don't, I don't get his motivation. Cross is another one of those weak villains Yeah, that Marvel mm-hmm. used to have. Yeah, he's evil just for the sake of having a villain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is an alternate cut of this part after they turn Frank into jelly, where in the movie, he just flushes them down the toilet. Very disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And he even an makes a comment. <laughs> in an alternate, yeah, he does say sorry, Frank. <laughs> in an alternate uh, cut of the scene, he licks the and like eats the jelly. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess he could be crazier. <laughs> he very well could be. And diseased if he just goes around doing that to all the jellyfied things like would he stop yeah. at the at people would he do it to those yeah. sheep that uh that he shrinks later in the movie yeah i mean bloodborne pathogens is a real thing you can't just be licking human or animal jelly mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. yeah um so yeah we also get a scene of him having dinner with hope where he blames and credits hank for making him who he is so hank's the villain of this movie it's all Hank's fault. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the last little bit in this very short Darren Cross section is we get uh, the live tests where he's testing on lambs. So that just shows him he's super evil because lambs are way cuter than mice. Oh yeah, and he <laughs> yeah. doesn't care about the difference, which um, you know could be things like cost and. <laughs> Well, that's why Pimtech's going down the drain. He doesn't care about the difference between like <laughs> a like a three dollar mouse, which I know because I used to have a snake, mm-hmm. and a hundred and twenty seven dollar sheep, which I don't know because I've never bought a sheep. <laughs> but I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> it's it's God. It's got to be higher than that. Like I don't know how old that that sheep was. But, you know, you got to feed them if you're keeping them around, too, right? It's like, you got to buy well, them. Not necessarily. You, you buy them. them you, you buy them. You ship them in. And you jellify them before they get hungry. Oh, They okay. just have daily right. sheep deliveries. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, again, not cheap. So <laughs> They just have a standing order. Well, I mean, at least, you know, they can Amazon Prime that. 
<laughs> Probably can. <laughs> and it's free. He's Jeff Bezos. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, you ready to move on to Scott, which is the last section, but also the longest section? <laughs> yeah, it sounds good to me. It's time to talk about the actual Ant-Man of this movie. So, Scott Lang has just been released from prison after doing uh, some Robin Hood-like burgu- burglary. He wants to go straight so he can see his daughter, but when Baskin Robbins finds out about his past, he has to turn to a life of crime. When he breaks into a house, he finds a very odd suit and soon regrets putting it on. So, um, yeah, we start off with him in prison. We meet Scott Lang. Uh, Scott Lang, not, not the first Ant-Man. I'm not even, I think there are three Ant-Men. I think so too. I vaguely remember there being O'Grady. Yeah, Yeah, there's like something O'Grady. I can't remember his first name. But, um, yeah. This Ant-Man, uh, premiered in The Avengers, number 181, back in 1979. And he's played by Paul Rudd, who I assume everyone knows who Paul Rudd is. He's a dude from Clueless and many other things. Mm Mm-hmm. And friends. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he wasn't friends. <laughs> I forgot Actually, that. I was, he, mm-hmm. Oh, good. He, he was in the I Love You Man with Lou Ferrigno, a.k.a. the Hulk. One of the Hulks. Ah, that's right. Yeah. So, I actually have a problem with Paul Rudd being in this movie. <laughs> okay. Um, you look at all the other casting, like, you... Even the actors I knew before they were superheroes, like, really transform into their roles. Like, even Benedict Cumberbatch, who I knew as Sherlock, I think of him as Doctor Strange when he plays Doctor Strange, because he's kind of melts into that role. Mm-hmm. Paul Rudd's just Paul Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> he's he funny, is. he's great, but he's just Paul Rudd. I don't think of him as Scott Lang or Ant-Man. I completely agree with you on that. However, I will say that as soon as I found out Paul Rudd was playing Ant-Man, it immediately clicked what type of movie this was going to be. And I I liked it. I, I thought that it was like exactly what I expected. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Uh, my reaction was, Paul Rudd's playing a superhero? Really? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it made sense when the first trailer came out, what kind of movie it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> really no i'm still i mean even ant-man and the wasp i bought you know i buy it on blu-ray when it came out i've still only seen it in theaters i'm (laughs) maybe i'm I'm just not a big fan of this because it doesn't fit in the mcu like the other movies even like thor ragnarok versus winter soldier are completely different movies but i feel like they fit together i don't Mm -hmm. feel like he fits together in this Really? Okay. I mean, I'm I'm with you. Actually, I was just saying that yesterday to my wife that, you know, I I bought Ant-Man and the Wasp and I still haven't watched it since since it came out. Um, you know, only seen it in theaters. But um you know, I I guess I guess that that, that you're right. It does kind of fit. Um I vaguely remember before Ant-Man came out that uh, I forgot who who was the it was either the writer or the director or someone someone had basically made the the entire movie. And like yeah, they loved it. Ed, it was Edgar great. Right? Oh, that yeah. Was he a yeah? Uh, Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. Baby Driver, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which already came up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, World's End and Hot Fuzz. Those are his movies. Like he's one of my favorite directors. 
Oh yeah. I mean, just listing off yeah. those movies, like yeah, that that dude has done some some great stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I remember there was kind of this falling out because he didn't tie it into other Marvely stuff, and then I think he he left early over that, and then they ended up changing the script a little too. Yeah, I mean, he had been working on this movie since before <laughs> the first Iron Man. Oh wow, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he was creating this movie before there was even an MCU. So they wanted him to rewrite a bunch of stuff, and he wasn't. He's more of a like auteur. He likes his own style, so I think he probably resented that studio interference. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting. Like, kind of the way the MCU has kind of ended up, right? You know, there's there's a lot of freedom to do your own thing with the movies. It seems like, but at the same time, you still got you know someone looking over your shoulder saying, "Hey, no, we want we want this," which you know we complained a lot about when we last talked about Age of Ultron. The last movie we talked yeah. about. Yeah, feels so <laughs> long ago. Feels like we were stuck stuck in April tenth, two thousand fifteen, for like three months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know it happens. Yeah, it happens yeah. sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's gotten better. I think after Winter Soldier hit, and that was more the Russo brothers doing their own style, and then we took a couple movies to catch up. But since the since I mean, all of Phase 3, which is the current phase, each movie has its own unique style. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, and I feel like this is the last, I don't think any of the movies are bad, as I said, I mean, we're doing a podcast about it, but this is <laughs> the last, like, mediocre movie, just like middle of the road one, because I think every movie after this is like, a great unique movie i mean when we think about thor ragnarok and i mean of course the avengers and um guardians 2 and spider-man they're all completely unique and they go with the vision of the director but this is kind of more still the vanilla marvel right here that's true yeah like one of the complaints i didn't mention this at the beginning but like one of my complaints about this movie is that the villain or the the super villain i mean is a direct opposite of what the hero is um and that was basically every other marvel movie up until now was yeah that was Mm -hmm. it you know iron man the first one was warmonger and then captain america was red skull basically super soldier type of thing right and it's Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and then the Winter Soldier, who was still a Super Soldier. But, <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, no, it's it, after this. They, I think they gave they trusted their directors more. I think James Gunn and uh, the Russo brothers really let made them feel okay to let people do their own thing. So, um, so Paul Rudd or mm-hmm. um Scott Lang. <laughs> um gets the, uh he's going through a going uh going away ritual at San Quentin uh getting you know punched in the face <laughs> like you do <laughs> mm-hmm. which in reality is like putting him in danger of extending his sentence like getting in a fight on his last day if the the uh guards were like hard asses they could have said he was getting in a fight but I'm sure he's uh, Scott's like that kind of guy who was like friends with everybody, being criminals and um, Aaron guards. <laughs> yeah, why make enemies when you can make friends? Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, so he gets out, gets out with you know a badass cut on his eye because he got punched by a guy named Peachy. <laughs> 
And he goes, uh, gets out and sees his, uh, his friend Luis, played by Michael Pena, who's been in a few things, but I know him from The Martian, which is probably, is a, have you seen The Martian yet? No, it's been on my DVR Certainly. twice for like a total of a year and a half. <laughs> it's, it's essentially Iron Man in the cave scene before the entire movie. It's, <laughs> it's. I love it. I I read mm-hmm. the book and I love the movie. Is you need is a movie you would really like to, I think, because it's okay. very, um, you know, problem oriented and this guy using technology and just his wits to figure out how to solve these realistic problems. Yeah, it's it, it was been on my list for a while. Uh, that's like that's why it's been on my DVR twice. Um, but uh, <laughs> if, if I remember correctly, it was it was up for an award. What was it? Best. Best comedy or musical? Uh, I don't remember if it yeah. won, but uh, how were the it singing and dancing scenes? <laughs> um, there's some awesome disco music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because when he's stuck up there on Mars alone, he has to. He's only got like what his fellow his friends left behind, and or his like I don't know fellow astronauts left behind. Mm-hmm. And Jessica Chastain's character apparently just loves disco music. So that's all the music <laughs> he has when he's up there for like a year. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, Luis. Um, he's, just, he's just a jolly guy. You know, everything's going to hell. But he's got the truck. So. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, there's a silver lining everywhere. You just, you gotta, you gotta take what life gives you. Yep, it's true. Um, and then um, Scott tries to get a job, which she ends up at the Baskin Robbins, you know. Uh, and apparently he doesn't stay there very long because Baskin Robbins always finds out, man. <sighs> always finds <clears throat> out. Yeah. <laughs> we get a little um, idea of what Scott did was he stole money from billionaires and it was a cool crime. Mm-hmm. And just gave it to other people. We'll get more details about it a little later. <clears throat> um, yeah, but unfortunately he gets fired. But he gets a, a mango fruit blast before he goes. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, yeah. do you have anything else for this screwing up beginning part? <laughs> uh, not really, no. Um, I mean, I had a little bit around when we actually get to why he was fired exactly. But I'll, I'll save it for that part. But, no, I don't, yeah. I don't really have anything here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that part's this next part. Uh, oh, we meet perfect. Luis's crew. Uh, we meet Kurt, who's like a Eastern European guy. I'm going to assume he's Sokovian, just because. <laughs> <laughs> or Latvarian. Um, I'm going to um, destroy his name. His his name is, the actor's name is David Dalmatian. Dalmatian? Dalmatian? Something like that? Okay. Um, the thing I know him from is he plays the like the mentally unstable guy that Harvey Dent kidnaps and threatens in um The Dark Knight when he's oh. trying to get information about the Joker. Mm-hmm. Like I just recognize him because he's got this really unique face. Um, apparently he was in a few uh, Gotham episodes and Flash episodes too. And then uh, we also get uh, Dave played by a Ti who's a rapper, and you know how I feel how much I love rap music. Uh, n- not at all. Mm-hmm. No offense to anyone who likes it. It's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Yeah. 
but uh, he was in the music video for Weird Al's Word Crimes. So that's something I saw. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, now we can talk about his crime. You want to talk talk about his crime? Yeah, sure. So they um, okay. So basically, they they just kind of go off a little bit and explain it all. We get some nice exposition here. Um, and so I don't remember all the details. So I guess Tony fill in the stuff that I horribly um, just skip over. But uh, he basically, he finds out that the company he was working for screwed over some people. Uh, CEO was generic bad guy CEO who took all the money. And so Scott Lang decides to, over the course of some amount of time, do probably the Superman 2 thing of take some money out of things over years and then give that money away instead. He does the whole Robin Hood mm-hmm. type of thing. Was that was that basically it? Did I like miss anything or... Yeah, I mean, he he broke in and then hacked into like the head of Vistacorp system and then returned the money back to the people who he stole it from. Mm-hmm. And then he crashed his like he drove his car into the pool, like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is I mean, I'm fuzzy on the definition. Breaking into this cat burglary, but is hacking like the same set of um set of skills? No. Uh, yeah, okay. Like cat burglary skills? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know? I mean, okay, well... He's stopping him from having more than one skill. But... <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, we don't actually know what his job was. Like, like was he in... Well, like, he, I mean... Huh? Oh, good. He's got a degree in electrical engineering, they say. Mm-hmm. Oh, not master's. hacking. Yeah. A master's, yeah. But that's not hacking, as far as, as I know it. I know it as typing, and then green letters come out across the screen, and then you can do anything. You know, yeah, like yeah. the nineteen nineties movie Hackers. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's yeah. keyboard magic. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, so I mean, the the thing with hacking is that there's like such a wide range. There's like the sophisticated like type of thing where in order to hack into something you're basically doing this whole Rube Goldberg machine type of thing where okay, first you need to convince someone to download a file to their machine that's bad and then if they open the file with this program that's from this specific version that wasn't patched then you can do this thing and then from there you can do mm. this other thing and then you know and then you you snowball from there that's like one of the more sophisticated things the one of the least sophisticated things is uh what i mentioned when we were talking about iron man 2 when um um oh, what was the bad guy's name i forgot Ivan Venko or yeah Ivan Venko yeah so when he shows up at Hammer Industries and he has that that line right where he like comes up to a computer he types something and then he says oh your internet is shit right like he Mm -hmm. because he just gets into that my assumption system is sheet yeah my my assumption is that he just used the default username and password and then he he had access to everything so that might just be what Scott knew maybe he just got the username and password and then he had access to everything maybe okay yeah. anyway sorry find, to tangent there. i just find it weird that he he kept burglar i mean mm-hmm. from my understanding of hacking which like you said is keyboard magic mm-hmm. he didn't have to break into his house and cat burglarize in to give the money back it's just it's computer stuff you just you know press Control z and everything goes back to where it was which I know is not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what? I assume that's not how it works. I could be completely right. <laughs> um, 
It depends on the app. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, they don't really go into details. They just kind of say the, you know, oh, the generic thing, he did this stuff. So um, we don't even know the aftermath. Like, did the company get the money back? Did they, did, you know, do the banks just have the records of who the money went to? And then they had to take it back from these people again. Is that what happened? Because um, that yeah. would be like even worse, right? Like he did this great thing, Robin Hood, and then it just backfires and yeah, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I missed the part about the crashing the car, though. I don't know how I missed yeah. that after seeing this movie all this Louis, time. Louis, yeah, Louis says that at the end. And he's like, huh. come on, man. Don't bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. So um, we're almost an hour in. So let's try to kind of rush through this. Because okay. I thought 33 minutes of film. We're not going to talk about it that long. I was wrong. <laughs> um, we go to Cassie's birthday. Uh, Cassie Lang eventually will become the superhero's stature. Who can shrink and grow without a suit? Probably goes crazy. Oh, maybe she's the extra person in the third Ant Man movie. Yeah, my I thought that right when I was looking at that note. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, apparently, Scott wasn't invited because he hadn't paid child support, but he can uh, afford the ugliest rabbit to give to his daughter. So that's nice. <laughs> and his uh, ex-wife. I'm assuming they were married. <laughs> Probably. Um, well, yeah, her last name's Lang. I oh, mean, yeah. at least his daughter's is. Mm-hmm. Um, to see Cassie, he has to uh, have a job, pay solid port, and get an apartment in San Francisco. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's not feasible, ever, <laughs> if you go from zero to that. Um, so, he finds out that, miraculously, it will only take 377 days. I don't believe that, as I said. <laughs> um, apartments aren't cheap in San Francisco. Uh-huh. <laughs> might might want to rent out, you know, one of those rundown buildings that Black Panther eventually owns in Oakland. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he decides he can't wait 377 days, so he ends up accepting the job from Luis. <laughs> and we get... Like, the Luis running gag of him lip-syncing to everybody, or everything, <laughs> which is glorious. Ah, uh, yeah. That, that, if you haven't seen, that's a very Edgar Wright thing. I feel like that's something they probably left over from when he was in the show, uh, was doing the movie. Because he's oh. like those quick cuts and those sight gags that they're doing like here. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, old man have safe. <laughs> which is what uh kurt tells him later because we don't need to know about all the rosé and all that stuff because he's more he's more of a white wine man mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i like how he tells stories it's similar to how i tell stories you don't really know what details are important which ones aren't so you just kind of keep talking and hope the other person understands the story yeah I mean, this is why all our podcasts are over an hour long, because we just, you and I just talk (laughs) about anything. Yeah, this is what happens when we don't see each other. We just keep talking, and yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you listeners, NSA or whoever else is out there, just get to listen to all this. For free. um, Yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine (laughs) how broke we were if we charged people for this? Come on. (laughs) Ooh. So we get uh, the scene of him actually uh, stealing the suit. Um, apparently hacking and safe cracking, same skill. 
So okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like that he actually does like when I think cat burglar. Obviously, I think Catwoman. Um, he does show Catwoman like skills of him like scaling the side of that building, mm-hmm. which shows that he is athletic. He's not just like Paul Rudd of Friends fame, but he's Paul Rudd of now Marvel. He can do stuff. Yeah, if um, I remember correctly. Um, he had to like work out nonstop for months um, to get his abs to look the way they do later in this movie for that three second scene. He did all that work just for that. I mean, if you're in the same universe as Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans, you kind of got that. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> you can't you can't slack on that. There's <laughs> like a minimum bar to entry when when he's signing the contract. Like, okay, this is what's gonna happen. This is what you're gonna have to do. Go on the late night shows. Do this. Do this. Oh, you got to work out that much. Fifty crunches a yeah. day, minimum. And then and then they just start upping it every every week after the first two weeks. Yeah, this is why I would be either the Happy Hogan or um <laughs> the guy from uh, Spider Man, the guy in the chair. I forget his name. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be the big sidekick guy, and you know I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um he gets in. Um and he finds out that there's a fingerprint lock, so he uses you know. Standard tape, glue, and heat to get a fingerprint and just use that to scan the lock. Mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't work in real oh, life. It does. Oh, it does? Uh, I looked this up to be sure because I've been hearing for years about it working this way. Uh, you know, it's been in TV yeah. shows and movies. So I, I looked it up. Um, now, the way that he did it um, is a little inaccurate from the percent, per, uh, from perspective as in... Um, there's a chance that he would probably have to try a couple of different fingerprints around the house for it to work. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if you were to do that exact thing he did against a real finger, instead of like a fingerprint on like a surface, um, it it would have like really increased the chances of it working. Like, you know, how it actually worked here. Um, But yeah, I mean, there are tons of stories online. If you go of like finding someone making a copy of a fingerprint and using that on an iPhone and it works, right? Because it's just a, Copy of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> well, okay. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, this is like one of those a box of scraps sort of scenarios um, yeah. where it's possible, but probably not going to work, but still in that that realm of yeah, it can happen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he does that, and then he actually gets into the room and finds finds a Carvindale safe, which I actually looked up. I didn't look up the finger lock but um carbondale is apparently not a safe company but carbondale illinois is a place where they used to make they they had a safe factory there so Hmm. it makes sense kind of yeah it's like someone oh Oh, i was just gonna say it's like one of the writers maybe looked up safes online and then they just saw that one and went with it yeah maybe okay um, we get a quick recap of the movie of Titanic. Um, that it killed Leo. <laughs> also, that the safe is made out of the same steel as the Titanic. So, apparently, its vulnerability is ice. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did. It was pretty vulnerable to ice in that movie. And history. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he puts... What? He puts... 
Um, I'm making the pouring motion with my hand, but you can't see it. Um, I'll just pretend. I he see puts it. liquid ni- he puts liquid nitrogen and water in between the safe, and he you know puts the blow up sleeping bag, and he put or puts the, the air mattress and the sleeping bag up. How much of this stuff did he just find in there? And how much did he bring just in case? <laughs> um, let's see, I'm trying to remember. Did he know ahead of time what the safe was? Or no, they just knew no, that he, he had he, a safe, right? Yeah, yep. And he thought they only had one, not the two. Yes. So, yeah, he probably just found a good chunk of that stuff. He probably brought, like, normal safe-cracking s- stuff. I mean, uh, no, you know what? Now I have no idea. Because he has to have brought yeah, the, something to crack a safe. Yeah. I mean, the big question to me is the liquid liquid nitrogen. Because you need to keep that cold. <laughs> that, how else do you destroy Terminators? <laughs> That's I mean, true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe, I guess he, he has to have just found that around the house. Maybe it was in the freezer? I guess. I mean, I... <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) I mean, this whole thing was set up by Hank Pym to see if Scott was smart enough to to burgle him. So maybe he did just have this stuff laying around. Yeah, but then I would think like a guy like Hank Pym is like, well, if he's going to be this smart, you've got to know to bring this stuff or you got to be have ingenuity. It's a little suspicious to just have liquid nitrogen in the house. I guess I that's guess that's true. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, all right. <laughs> Whether or not he's suspicious of this liquid nitrogen, um, he he breaks in, and he um he finds this suit, and he decides to steal it anyway. And then we see a a little ant camera filming him, little tiny, teeny tiny thing. Teeny tiny ant camera. So I'm assuming uh, the next day he's uh, he goes to the bathroom and he tries on the suit. Uh, luckily, it fits him like a glove. <laughs> so Hank back in the 80s and he wore the exact same size. So that's nice to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just starts, you know, pressing these buttons in a world where Captain America and <laughs> Iron Man Thor exist. You, just like you do. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, if we were to relate this to the world we live in now, how many times do you just agree to the terms and service of an app, right? I mean, you just press the button. True. Worst terms but... of service ever. Shrinking wheel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just agree to it. <laughs> um. So yeah, we get his first uh, shrinking, which I do like the effect of, you know, getting like the phantom versions of himself as he's shrinking. Because mm-hmm. that's from what I understand, that's very much how it is in the comics. When you see someone shrink, you see the outlines of them. It keeps getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so he's stuck in the bottom of the um, the tub. And he hears a voice from of God, apparently. <laughs> he doesn't even... <laughs> he hears Hank's voice. And Hank's being all myster- mysterious and crap. <laughs> and then he... Uh, Luis comes in to take a shower, which has got to be the worst situation ever. Not only is he, he may drown, but, you know, Luis is getting naked. It's just, <laughs> goddammit. it. <laughs> uh, he might have not seen that. We're not 100% sure. 
Yeah. Well, he did. He did say he didn't want to see it. So hopefully, he closed his eyes. That's true. So this scene. I mean, we were talking about this already. This is where they just keep going back and forth on the weight and impact that he has oh. as Ant-Man, right? If he's mm-hmm. his 200-pound self, he probably wouldn't be able to be pushed by the water coming out of mm-hmm. the uh, of the faucet, but he was pushed so much that he came out of the tub. Yeah. And, and he... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're going you're gonna to finish my thought. Go ahead. Oh, and then he cracks the, the tile as soon as he lands? Yep, that's what yeah. I was about to say. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah. then, Makes of no course... Sense. Yeah, but then of course the very next thing is he falls to these the floor below their apartment onto a record player, does mm-hmm. nothing to the record player. In fact, it's spinning him around and he gets thrown off of it. Yeah, and also, um, if he were light enough that it wouldn't that he gets thrown off the record player, he would also be probably cut in half by that needle. So <laughs> that goes over him. That's why it starts skipping. That's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he gets thrown off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then if whatever else you were going to say, I, I feel like we could just keep dissecting the rest of this this little scene. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, get, he gets uh, vacuumed and randomly shoots out of the vacuum like a bullet. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, considering how small he is, that woman screams pretty loud for what's essentially a grain of sand or maybe like a pebble flying out. I wouldn't be that. I, I think she's overreacting. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, she, um, he runs into a rat that will probably eat him. And so he, what, does he jump out the window? Or how does he get, end up falling out? I can't remember. You know, neither can I. Huh. I'm going to assume he jumps out the window and lands on the car and leaves a dent. (laughs) A little tiny dent. Yeah. Until he grows and and leaves a bigger dent. Yeah, and we actually get a cameo in the scene of, most people don't know this, um, the guy in the car who dents is Garrett Morris, who was in the original cast of Saturday Night Live. And in uh, 1979, there was a superhero skit where all the cast members dress up as different superheroes, and he dressed up as Ant-Man. And he's the only, before Paul Rudd, he's the only live-action Ant-Man in television or movie history. Huh. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I meant to look up who this guy was because, like, the way that, you know, they give him a line, it's, it's kind of one of those, like, like callback type of things, and I just forgot to actually do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I've watched the skit. You can find it on um on YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just, like, Superman's having a party, and it's the 70s, so they don't care who's DC and who's Marvel, so it's just, like, Spider-Man's there, and Ant-Man's there, and they make fun of Ant-Man, and all that random crap. <laughs> Okay. Oh, nice. And so, um, yeah, after this happens, Scott instantly regrets it and breaks <laughs> in to return the suit and gets arrested. <laughs> uh, yeah, after that nightmare of a scenario of, I guess, five minutes of his life. Yeah, he has no interest yeah. in keeping that suit around. <laughs> and where where people keep trying to uh, arrest Daredevil one-on-one, we get 73 cops to to arrest this cat burglar. <laughs> San Francisco takes their criminals seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's about it. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up? No, no, I think I'm good. So we're, we're closing it out. We're all done. We're yeah. This. Yep. 
All right. All right, everyone. So please join us next time when we will continue talking about Ant-Man. So we will talk about the middle of the movie, which is this part where we left off uh, where uh, Scott Lang is arrested until the uh, the other criminals join in on the plan of, of things for the heist and other hero shenanigans that are going on so um until then please remember to follow us on twitter we are at mcu underscore rewind and please give us a five-star rating on apple podcasts or your favorite podcast app until then this is the marvel cinematic rewind signing off have a marvelous day